Welcome everyone back to The Basement Binge, another episode in the binge of the Creed Trilogy as I am highly anticipating reviewing Creed 3. I just got back from the theater, seeing it today, timing was weird, watched Creed 2 at home and immediately left to go see Creed 3 and I actually think I might have preferred it that way. Excited to review Creed 3 but you're not here for that, you're here for Creed 2 which I'm very excited to talk about. Glad to have you back here at The Basement Binge. Let's just get started with it. Spoiler-free as we get into Two Cents. We'll save the spoilers for later. So Two Cents, my immediate thoughts about the film. Creed 2 is an exceptional follow-up to the first Creed movie. It's different than the first, and I can understand why some people might not have liked it because of that, but I actually appreciate it for its difference. You have a new director with much less experience than Coogler had. You can't repeat the story without you know, just rehashing this, this, the character growth that came before. You have a new writing crew and you have to separate yourself in some way and make something new of your own. That, that, that can be difficult. And Creed 2 does that actually really well. It pulls from Rocky's legacy. It doesn't undo Adonis's character growth or his relationship with Rocky. Bianca is kind of sidelined. Not kind of, she is sidelined. But other than that, it handles itself pretty well in continuing and also doing something new. Now, something that I will say after having seen all three films and they each have different directors and uh, have switched composers and cinematographers, they all have a different vibe and feel very different. And part of that is a story, but they also feel very cohesive in a unique way. And it's something that I actually really admire about this trilogy, that each one feels very distinct and and unique while also feeling cohesive. And and I don't know where there's many other trilogies where you really feel and enjoy the differences of each entry uh, as a positive. It's it's interesting. I've never observed that before. Maybe if you have a recommendation of a trilogy that does that, put it down below in the comments or send me an email with it. Message me on Instagram. However, all that links below. But uh, I would love to know your thoughts as to another trilogy like this. But anyway, that's enough about that. Back to Creed 2. The fights in Creed 2 are just as brutal and nail-biting intense as the first. The cinematography, while completely different, has a great look to it and works really well. And the story lacks in the emotional department because it can't quite reach the heights of the first. It's still great and still impactful. However, Creed 2 deserves to be more than just a comparison to the first. And I understand that's how it goes with sequels, especially binging it this way, as Rob from Matt Goes to the Movies frequently points out. But I want to talk about Creed 2 as Creed 2, not a follow-up to Creed. Uh, and Victor Drago is exceptional in this film as a villain, if you want to call him that. He is more memorable, he's more intimidating, and more demanding in his screen presence than anything that came from the first. And the, and part of that is because the first one is so much about Creed, as it should be, and his relationship to Rocky. This expands that. And on top of that, Victor is a sympathetic villain that at times kind of hurts the film in a good way. Uh, because you feel so much for him. You, you almost don't want either person to lose because you you really sympathetically buy into to Victor's struggle. And uh, it's something that this film does really well. And I will, I will remember about it. As I said in the Creed review, if you haven't listened to already, I remember that one scene where Rocky sits down and says, now why'd you say that? I remember the emotions of that film. I remember the complex journey that the Creed or, or that Adonis and Rocky go on together in this one, I will remember Victor. And I'll remember his the sympathetic view I had towards him. Now, all that being said, Creed 2, the story doesn't have the same power of the first. The fighting stakes 
the intensity of the fights and the intensity of the villain outweigh anything that was brought before. Now, as a final note here in two cents, Ludwig Gornson once again proves his greatness. The very first note I wrote down when watching the movie about the film was praising the music and how good it was, and it was like in the first two minutes. And I continued to praise it in my notes as I continued watching. He, he is exceptional, and I really enjoy his score once again in this film. So that's going to wrap it up for two cents so we can get into the spoilers here. Not really heavy spoilers until we get into later segments, but uh, we're going to keep going. If you want to help out the show, if you're enjoying this episode, head over to podchaser.com slash the basement binge and leave a review. It's also linked below. The cool thing about Podchaser and why I recommend that is it allows you to leave a review on each individual episode, not just the podcast as a whole. So I can know your thoughts about each episode. If you're enjoying these Creed reviews, Consider subscribing for Creed 3 and animation season coming up as we get back to that. But uh, that's enough announcements here. On to the next segment, pick your poison. This is a personal rating scale here at the Basement Binge. And uh, it's all about the bingeability of the film and how we would, how, how we, how I would choose to interact with it after watching it this one time. So I bought this movie. I mentioned that in the last review that I bought both Creed and Creed 2 on Blu-ray for pretty good price before starting the binge. And after buying it, I started to feel like maybe I should have just rented it before I'd even watched the movie. Just, I don't know, just things happening in my own life. That sounds very dramatic. Nothing's dramatic. I'm, I'm contemplating the collection of Blu-rays I have and if that, I really need them taking up the physical space that they are in my apartment. And so I started to contemplate like, oh, was this really one of those that I wanted to add to the space as I'm thinking about removing it? Uh, and I hadn't even seen it yet. And then I watched the movie. Uh, and I was even back and forth while I was watching the movie and even afterwards, I was like, okay, yeah, that was good. I liked it, but do I need to own this one? Is this a buy? And then I went and saw Creed 3, like I mentioned, just my schedule was busy, couldn't get to this sooner, and I finished this and then quickly left. Uh, as a trilogy, this is something that I want to own and will watch again. I can't wait to review Creed 3, so subscribe for that episode coming out very, very soon. Uh, but Creed 3 would be incomplete without Creed 2. And Creed 2 is made better by Creed 3. And this is a movie that I will continue to enjoy. It is not as impactful and not as powerful as the first, but it's still a good movie. And I think that sometimes when we talk about a, a sequel not being good as the first, we sometimes forget that it can still be a, a good movie, that, that it doesn't have to be better than the first. So that's that, that's not the only goal, is to beat what was came before. And sometimes you can't, and you shouldn't, which I think is the case with Creed. You shouldn't try and replace what was done before. Creed is a unique movie. That story can't be told all the time. And Creed 2, and all that it does, and, and how it, the, the struggle that Adonis has with pride is a new emotional journey that's not as intense. And the fight scenes aren't as unique and... and shocking not that they're shocking but but as new or as fresh as as creed was but it's still a great movie uh so yeah i'm glad i bought this it was on a great deal for a few more dollars than it was to rent and that is going to pay for itself i know because i am going to be watching this movie again i enjoy it that much so on to the next segment live up this is where i talk about my expectations going into the film and if uh, the film was able to live up to those expectations as it's named so before I started this binge of Creed, I was extremely excited for Creed 2. Like I mentioned, I, I loved the first I'd seen it. I had not seen Creed 2. And so I was hoping and going into it 
to be just as impressed as the first or, or just as excited or, or enjoy it just as much. And I really had high expectations. But then as I was watching the first and, and hearing about the second and getting ready to watch the second, the lower my expectations went to, for Creed 2. Now, it never got to the point of this is, this is going to be bad. I will regret this. Uh, but at one point, I was preparing myself to be disappointed. Now, eventually, before I sat down to watch it, it did eventually kind of flatten out uh, to a cautious optimistic. Now, having watched it, I think I was too cautious because I love this. To be fair, as said, it's not as good as the first. I'm glad it isn't. Creed is unique. Creed 2 is also unique. And it doesn't do anything to try and undo what came before. I hate it when sequels do that. They try and reset character growth. It doesn't do this. And, and that's hard because Adonis, he, he's, he grew a lot in the first film. And so you got to give him a new challenge here. And this leans into Rocky's legacy a lot. And, and it's, that's complex. And it, it, there's a lot of areas where that could not work. And it does. It's a completely different film. It doesn't rehash stuff, and I like it. It, it exceeded the disappointing <laughs> that I was expecting it to be. It, it was better than I thought. And, and I, however, I do understand why, you know, kind of the buzz or like the consensus of this film that's out there that kind of made me prepared for disappointment a little bit. I can understand why other people have kind of generated that response to the film. I get it. It is a completely different direction. It has a, has a completely different vibe from like a directing and cinematography and editing standpoint. It, there's more camera angles. It's more dramatic. It feels more expensive with like a higher budget. It, it just feels like a different craft entirely. And I can understand how they, that may not jive. It is interesting to point out that Sylvester Stallone at one point was going to direct this. I wonder what that would have been like. Obviously, he stepped away, but uh, I, I like what we got. It did it live up to the expectations in a good way. It exceeded them, actually. Now, I have plenty more to say about this film coming up next with binge points before we get to my favorite scene and ultimately discuss the emotions of it all and fall in. But first, a brief interruption here. All right, back to the regular scheduled program. Thank you for supporting The Basement Binge by listening to that. Let's get back to what we do with binge points. Binge points are Easter eggs, details, trivia, behind-the-scenes stuff, or anything else that I just want to mention where it fits. This is where we dump stuff. Um, this doesn't have a lot. This isn't the type of film to have a lot. What I will say is that the, the training montage feels right at home with past Rocky movies and, and like trying to come up try and re reinvigorate with a training montage with tra Rocky training in the snow of Russia. Uh, here we got Adonis training in, in, in the desert. Uh, it's a little dramatic uh, with going off-road. However, that is a true principle in training and building habits that the environment does change. Uh, it makes a significant difference. And that was filmed in, in Death Valley, New Mexico, which is sweet. And they're fun training scenes. They're not bad. In fact, when it started, I was like, oh no, like, are we going to get something weird? But but they felt valid. It felt like a legitimate form of training at the end of it. The only other binge point that I have is that when Adonis goes to uh, the gym with his daughter, why am I suddenly forgetting her name? Amara. Right? That's her name? Right? Amara. Okay, I was right. Yeah. Uh, when he goes to the gym with Amara and he's standing there holding her and Apollo, you know, little emblem on the window is up on the wall. It's cool to see three generations uh, of Creed there. 
It was cool. I like that scene. So on to the next segment here, least and likes. My least favorite scene, my favorite scene. Um, my least favorite scene is one that I'm still going back and forth on, and it's the whole uh, it's your time with Rocky at the end uh, when he's celebrating his victory, uh, Adonis's, and Rocky's like, it's your time. He gives him a fit, fist bump and sits down. Like You feel the aloneness of Rocky, which is, which is cool, and it's understandable with Sylvester Stallone writing the screenplay for this that he would work more of Rocky's growth into this than was before. Not that Rocky didn't change, but but there's more of his story in here. It's not just just not just a Creed story. It's also a Rocky story, and so you feel that, and it feels while it's good, and I see what it's getting towards later on in the film with him going back and visiting his son, which is awesome. That's that's a wonderful message that I really really love. It feels like the wrong place to put it. Um, it also makes sense that it's passing on the legacy to uh, to uh, Michael B. Jordan and moving on from Sylvester Stallone, which it kind of seems like that was expected when they were filming this from what I've read. Uh, however, the scene just, it doesn't fit for me. Uh, it works. It could have worked in a different moment, but it just doesn't fit in that moment. Now, the only other least that I do want to mention as well is that I just really was disappointed that with Amara... And, and the fear of her being deaf, that there wasn't more mention of sign language. Like when, when Bianca and Adonis were discussing like, what if she's deaf and all that? Like I was, maybe I'm really cheesy. And I just, I also just happen to love deaf people. I took ASL in high school. So I have an affinity towards it, but I, I kept hoping him to say something along the lines of like, well, I've got to learn to, ha- to use these hands for something else than just fighting or something like that. Like, I, I thought that that would be a cute reference. That's weird to say cute about this movie. Uh, but nonetheless, that was something that I just kept waiting for something about it to happen. Uh, and it just didn't. Especially with, with Amara having hearing aids. And then, not that there's anything wrong with hearing aids. I don't know. I just, I was hoping for a little bit more with sign language because I, I love sign language. But that's all. As far as my like, my favorite, uh, weirdly, it's not necessarily a scene, but an aspect of the film, the further away cinematography. I don't, I don't have better words for it. That's the best way I can describe it, that the camera at times is just further away. We just get a wider perspective uh, of things. Uh, not shot telephoto, just pulled further back. Um, my, yeah, my brain is not thinking of the words that I'm trying to say right now. Um, I, there's something about it that I just like. It, it, it's like I said, it's a completely different vibe and feels very different from a crafted standpoint and creation standpoint from the first. But I still like it. And of course, as part of my favorites, I have to mention the final fight. It, it gives me great conflict because I feel for Victor as a character. He has like four lines throughout the film, but you feel for him just completely and have a lot of sympathy for him as you go throughout the film. And it builds and builds and builds. And it was funny. The movie started, my wife was, she was in the room, she was getting ready for work, she was leaving, so she wasn't watching it, but she was listening. She says, this guy evil? Uh, she said, I can tell by the music. And it's interesting that the film starts off with Victor just being purely evil, like, like he's just a bad guy and that's all he is and he's an opponent. And you're, you're meant to feel threatened and intimidated by him, which you are. And the film works at, at, at building up to that, especially with, with Adonis losing. And you need Victor to feel like an imposing force which he is, but then once that starts to happen, it changes a little bit. And not that you see the cracks, he's still an imposing force, but you begin to understand more of him. And so you get to the final fight, and 
I want Adonis to win, but I don't want Victor to lose. And it's difficult. Now, by the time the film concludes and ends, I feel great peace with it and what happens. But in the final fight, it, it's great conflict in me, but it's a fantastic final fight. Again, it doesn't try to, to do the same stuff that we saw in Creed with, the, with the, the fight scenes being in the ring in a really, really unique way. They are in the ring in a different way, you know, with like the first person view type thing. Uh, but it doesn't try and not be itself, if that makes sense. It's a good final fight. So, with that, we'll move on to the last segment here, which is fall in. This is where we talk about the morals, the messages, as my dad always said, the moral of the story, uh, the emotion, the takeaway of this that is applicable for real life. And this is where Creed, the first movie, made its mark, its impactful mark in the emotional battle that Adonis had to make. This battle he's making this time is about pride and personal fear. And that's real, without a doubt, 100% it is, but harder to tap into as an audience member because we want our heroes to make the right choices. And those emotions of fear and pride are harder to portray and write and also harder to, to sympathize because we don't feel pride the same way that an individual does. Um, we don't feel pride in them the way that they feel pride in themselves. And so it, it's, it's difficult. And I found myself throughout the film wondering what could cause Adonis to lose himself to treat Bianca the way that he does and Rocky the way that he does and be so foolishly arrogant and dumb in taking the fight with Victor. Not, not just taking the fight, but taking the fight in the way that he does and in the attitude that he does. Um, but when you lose something, when you feel that something has been taken away from you the way that he feels his father was, uh, his pride is, and his identity and to be given fear in place of that, that causes someone to lose themselves. Sadly, my wife and I see it with our friends as they're making the journey. And I mean, we are too. It's not, you know, and, and this isn't condescending. It's just an observance. Are making the transition from like young adulthood into adulthood. Um, you lose something and you almost lose your identity. Uh, as so perfectly said by Marianne in the film, he has to heal himself from the inside out. Trust me, I've been there before with her losing Apollo. I can't imagine the loss that, that a spouse, a loved one that close, I've been lucky to never lose. I've lost the loved ones, but never that close. That would just completely reshape your understanding of the world and yourself. And you, you truly do have to heal from the inside out. And, and sadly... We do sometimes treat people bad while we're hurting on the inside. And I appreciate, while Bianca is totally sidelined, I do appreciate her willingness to stick with Adonis and to understand that he's not himself and that he's going through something and he's got to sort it out. I love that it's not, she, she doesn't add more conflict to him. She's patient with him. Uh, not that we all deserve unending patience, but I do appreciate that. Um, but as... Adonis is healing on the inside. The film gives him even more to lose with his daughter. Um, and it's, an, it's a gut punch uh, because he hasn't even figured out what he's fighting for yet. He hasn't even solved the first problem and he's got a second one. Uh, and it rushes you into the fight. When we, when we go into that first fight with Victor, I, f I feel unprepared and I'm not even in the ring. My stomach was sick because you, you, you get so little fighting. You get so little of a, of a montage of a training before and you go right into the fight and it's just brutally beaten. Uh, but it's not just the fight. It's everything that leads up to it and the lack 
of leading up to it and how quickly it rushes to it, you know, also understandably so. It can't be a five-hour movie. Uh, but in that fight, you feel disappointed in Adonis because Rocky would have taught him to be a good sport, but Adonis won't even touch gloves with Victor. And uh, you feel that Adonis isn't himself. And that was where I kind of started to tap into the pride and the loss and the fear. Uh, but I, the, the film later really kind of had to spell it out for me, which uh, Michael B. Jordan does a good job of doing. His, his emotions and portrayal in that scene are good, but the film did kind of have to spell it out for me. Maybe I was just dumb. Um, so it, it's not as strong. Um, and y- you see that same idea of loss defining you with Ivan Drago, as the name, the dad, the other Drago that fought Rocky. Uh, when he says to Victor, I lost, uh, and you can win, and just Russia's abandonment of him, uh, in and outside of Russia, in and outside of, of the Cold War and, and countries' politics, losing can define people. Uh, that's tough. And as an example, in the... Mo- well, Survivor just started season 44 if you're not watching it on Paramount Plus and CBS, you should. But the previous season, season 43, uh, in one of the challenges, it, it ends up getting down to, to two or three competitors. I, I only remember the two. Um, Gabler, and now the other guy's name has completely skipped my mind, but I'm not going to look it up. But, but in essence, they're, they're, they're the last two like doing this endurance challenge where in essence they just have to hold it's like grip strength. They have to hold like a, a pulley, a rod that has a bunch of rope wrapped around it that's holding up a bucket with like 25% of their body weight or something like that. And they have to outlast each other. And Gabler goes on to say that, you know, this minute I'm holding on for this person. And the real people that he knows. And it's a very emotional scene that, that gets to me. This is real life on Survivor. It's real competition. Uh, and the people he's mentioning are real. And he initiates it on his own. No one asks him. He just, he starts to say it. It's very honest. And so... Jeff Probst, the host, eventually gets to this other guy who I feel so bad his name I've forgotten and asks what his motivation is for. And he says, when he was in high school, if I'm remembering the details right, he lost the state wrestling match in the final. And ever since then, he's been frustrated with himself. And, and then he says these words, this is my chance to redeem myself. Making up for a loss is not a real reason to fight. To give you spoilers for that episode, whatever it is, uh, he loses. Gabler wins the challenge. Um, as much as dumb athleticism sometimes makes you think, yeah, I remember thinking this even in elementary school, making up for a loss is not a reason to fight. It's not a good one. It's a, it's a reason that will cause you to lose. You may win temporarily, but ultimately you'll lose. And you see that with Adonis. He's making up for loss. Uh, and that's not a reason to fight. And later in the second fight, Victor, more of his dad, is fighting to make up for a loss and pressuring his son to. And his son is also making up for a loss with the loss of his mother, and that's not a reason to fight. Now, that can be motivation. That can be part of it. But that's not the, not, it should not be the reason to fight. So Adonis finds his reason, and he fights well. And when he does when he knocks down Victor and those full horns of the Rocky theme play, it is a well-fought-for, well-done scene. It was fantastic. I loved it. Uh, 
he overcomes his pride and understands that he can win with the right reasons and with the right people. And it's a good conclusion. And on top of that, we get a, a heartfelt conclusion to Ivan, I think that's the dad's name, understanding as Rocky was trying to teach Adonis what is actually has value and what is actually important uh, and what you should and should fight for and what, what is and is not important. Um, and, and that moment uh, was confusing for me. Like, why does dad throw in the towel? I didn't really understand until the film ended. And I was like, okay, I'm getting it. I'm getting on board. Maybe I was just a little slow. It was early in the morning. I don't know. But uh, I like that that's part of it as well, that, that he grows. Uh, that's awesome. Now, just before we wrap up Fall in here and, and conclude the episode, two lines from the movie that I just want to mention. I don't have much to say about them besides this line that, uh, itself because I, I think that they have great value in and of themselves. Uh, the first is when Adonis and Bianca are in the bathroom and they find out she's pregnant and they're sitting on the bathroom floor, and she says, I don't know if we're ready or something like that. And he says, let's get ready then. That's just a remarkable attitude. Uh, and so true in life. Um, how many moments and things in life are you not ready for? And the attitude to say, well, I'm going to get ready is a remarkable one that, that I want to implement. Um, and the other one is uh, Rocky, when talking to Adonis on the street, uh, trying to convince him not to take the fight, the first fight, talking about Apollo's death. And he says, it shouldn't have happened, but it did. And I think that sometimes when bad things or difficult things happen, we, we sometimes try to give a reason to them. And sometimes things just shouldn't happen, but they do anyway. I don't have more to say than that because it's just a good line in and of itself. So, yeah. Is this film as substantial and, and impactful and, and emotionally rich as the first? By no means, no. But does that mean that it's lacking? Uh, I mean, I guess technically it has to lack to not be as good. But no, it's not lacking. There, there's great story. There's great character growth. There's great fights. Uh, and, and there's great morals in this. And it is a wonderful continuation of the Creed uh, story. And it goes leads on to great things in Creed 3 that I'm having the hardest time holding my tongue about. I'm looking forward to reviewing. So that review should be up. If you're listening to this and you like, listen to it immediately, it's going to be tomorrow. But if you're listening to this at the time that most people do, it's probably released. So subscribe to The Basement Binge if you are not already because I'm excited to be reviewing Creed 3. So thank you for supporting The Basement Binge. Leave a review on podchaser.com if you would like. Get in contact with me. Like I said, let me know if you know of another trilogy that tells a great cohesive story and feels like a single unit, but each film feels very unique and uh, and feels like its own thing. I would love more recommendations like that because I've really enjoyed this trilogy. So thank you again for listening. If you haven't heard enough, this is The Basement Binge. My name is Harrison, and that's all for now. Ciao, ciao.